Hey, whatnoters, the podcasters. I don't gotta think of a still have to think of a better thing for that. That's Pastor Wolfmuller here on Holy Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. Uh, God's peace be with you. Uh, if we think through the events of Holy Week, it's on Wednesday is a silent day. This might be the betrayal day. Yesterday is Temple Tuesday when Jesus is fighting with the Pharisees in the temple, sees the widow's might. He preaches about the end, the destruction of the temple from the top of Mount Olives, goes back to Bethany. Seems like on Wednesday, Jesus and the disciples stay in Bethany, except for maybe Judas, who runs into town for the 30 pieces of silver uh, and the upcoming betrayal. Uh, things really get started tomorrow, Monday, Thursday, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and, and has the supper and then is arrested in the garden and we're quickly into the events of Good Friday. But Wednesday's a quiet day, uh, reflection and prayer, most likely, as our Lord thinks of all that is to come. We've got a couple of things today, a follow-up, a thought, a few thoughts on, on how we talked about a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit yesterday. I was thinking about how the Lord has a much broader scope of language that he authorizes for us when we pray versus when we preach, which is a fun thing to think about. And then a question about how can God be both loving and angry at the same time? And how do we know if we're getting his love or his anger? Great question. Uh, here you go. Hey, thinking about yesterday's episode about blasphemy, um, here's something that I think is also helpful to add to that conversation. When we look at the scripture and see what language is authorized to speak about God, we see that, that the language that is approved in the scripture is much broader when it comes to prayer. Here's what I'm talking about. When we see how when we see how the Lord teaches us to pray in the Psalms, we see that there's a lot of things that that we probably wouldn't dare say when we're preaching or when we're teaching, but we do say when we when we pray. How long, O oh Lord, are you not listening to me? How long will you turn your face from me? How far are you from my groaning? This is how Jesus prays, even from the cross. So that, so that we would never say and preach things like that, but we would, we would pray them. In other words, there's a, there's a, there's a greater leniency, or what, what Hebrews calls boldness of speech, when we are praying. I think the reason is because if we start with the assumption of faith that we trust in the Lord and we look to the Lord for all good, that we cry out to him in times of trouble, that there's a lot that, that our prayers then encompass a broader range of the human emotions and experiences. So our prayers are full of fear and full of doubt and full of anger and full of disappointment and full of longing. And that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, for example, anger. The Lord says, uh, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So that he has not authorized us to be angry or full of vengeance. But we see in our, in our prayers, especially in the Psalms, that we pray against our enemies, the imprecatory Psalms. 
so that we express our anger and our frustration and our hurt and our fears. We express those all to the Lord, and that's, and that's what he wants. So when it comes to speech, the Lord is, he constrains us whenever it's time to preach and to speak of him to others. But he gives us boldness and great latitude when it comes to how we pray. So that we want to be careful how we speak of God to others. There's a censure that's there. But there's a, a boldness when, it, it, when we turn around and when we're praying. So I, I want to encourage us to think about that, that we, when it's time to pray, um, we, want to, we want to be careful, but we don't want to be too careful. We don't want to spend the whole time guarding our tongues because the Lord would have us come before him with all of our joys and pains and hopes and fears and pour out our hearts to him. So hopefully that's, that's helpful. And a little further on from that conversation yesterday about blasphemy. Here's a cool question from Don't Use My Name, who asks, how is the love of God for sinners balanced with the hatred of God for sinners? See Psalm 5, verse 5. I really struggle with this because I really want to trust God's love, but sometimes the Bible seems to say, some are too wicked for it. Thank you. Really great question. Uh, Psalm 5, verse 5, by the way, says, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes, you hate all evildoers. We'll come back to that text in a minute. Uh, we want to remember uh, that, and thanks for being along to think with this, think theologically through this question with me. I think this is a really important question because it's true when we read through the scriptures, we see the love of God on display for the world, for sinners. And yet the Bible also teaches God's anger towards sinners, the judgment that is due sinners, and that will come to some sinners. And so we see in, in the Bible, as G.K. Chesterton put it, love and wrath both burning. Uh, or I suppose from our Lutheran perspective, we see God acting both according to the law with his judgment, his justice, and his anger, and according to the gospel with his kindness and his love and his mercy. And, and all through the scriptures, beginning to end, I mean, we see, for example, the judgment that comes after the fall, but we see the mercy that comes after the fall as well, that the Lord removes Adam and Eve from the garden, that he won't let them eat from the tree of life, that they have to till the ground. There's pain and childbearing. There's a curse that impends on everything, and they eventually die. But the Lord also provides for them the promise of the seed and the preaching of that seed by the garments that that cover them as they leave the garden so that the, these, this law and gospel this wrath and love are are always um, back and forth kind of pulling on each other it's it's the tension of the scriptures but it has to be there has to be wrath over sin anger over sin because if if there's not then there's nothing to rescue us from or I suppose, if, the, if it was purely love from God and, and there was no anger over sin, then the death of Jesus on the cross wouldn't make sense. I mean, th that, that God has to provide a sacrifice 
to appease his own wrath. Um, it doesn't make sense if there's no wrath to begin with. Remember the threefold suffering of Jesus? It's Holy Wednesday today, and this is coming up on Friday. We, we got to think about this with Good Friday especially. The, the pain and the shame and the wrath. The, these are the three kinds of suffering that Jesus endures. The pain has to do with the physical beard being pulled out and nails being put through your hands. That's terrible. But, the, you know, the two thieves on either side had the same pain. And the shame, which Jesus despised. The, they're gambling for his clothes and they're spitting on his face and they're mocking God. I, that's, I think that that's some of the worst stuff. But even that, you, you could endure, you could, that shame could happen to, to you and me as well. There's the third suffering on the cross, which is the wrath of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was stricken by God and afflicted this this suffering is the is the suffering that's winning our salvation. And, and that is the the anger of God toward evildoers. And now it's directed instead to the righteous one, to the to the Son. So he's bearing our sins and carrying our sorrows. All, all that we have done wrong is given to him so that he would suffer that, so that we would be rescued and delivered. So we find the love of God in Christ. And we find the wrath of God apart from Christ. I think this is the simple answer to the question. And how do I know if I have the love of God or the anger of God? It is, do I have Christ? I, th this is also in the text of Psalm 5. I'll, I'll show you in just a little bit. But I want to make a quick uh, a note to this. When I say that apart from Christ we have God's anger, I'm, what I'm not saying is the Father and the Spirit are angry and the Son is loving. No, it's God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, the entire Trinity is angry over sin. And the entire Holy Trinity uh, loves us in Christ. So God so loved the world, that's the Father there, that he sent his only begotten Son, so that the love of God the Father is seen in Christ. And the love of God the Spirit is seen in Christ, so that Jesus is the love of God brought to us. And this is why salvation is by faith in, in Christ, because it's uh, faith in Christ hides us under the shadow of his wings, where his love and mercy and protection are rather than his, his wrath. Now, let's turn our attention just for a bit to Psalm 5. If you have it there, it's great. It's, um, you have 12 verses. It's, a, it's mostly a prayer, the whole thing, uh, a prayer uh, for the Lord to listen and then against his enemies. And listen to this escalating, growing mm, dissatisfaction of God with those who do wrong, starting in verse 4. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness, Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy all those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So there's this escalating anger of God towards sinners from you don't delight in it, they can't dwell, they shall not stand, hate, destruction, abhor abhorrence. 
so that the Lord's wrath towards sinner is towards sinners is escalating. The other thing to note is that when the Psalms talk about, and this will be a a thing to note all the time when we're reading th- through the Psalms, that they'll be talking about. Hmm, there's a versus. It's a God versus who, or us versus who. We have enemies, and here it lists the enemies of God as those who are wicked, evil, boastful, lie-speaking, bloodthirsty, and deceitful. Those are the enemies of God, and they're also our enemies. But listen to the contrast in verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. So that that the opposite of the evildoer is the one who, through the abundance of God's steadfast love or everlasting mercy, that's that Hebrew word chesed, which grabs up all the gospel stuff and puts it in one word. Through the abundance of your chesed, I will enter your house. In other words, I'm not standing before you because I've done everything right. I'm standing before you because I know your love, because I I trust in your word. So the opposite of the of the evildoer is the righteous one, and the righteous one does evil but trusts in the Lord. The evildoer might do good but does not trust in the Lord, does not have the Lord's mercy or chesed. So that when we see the hatred of God for evildoers, it's not as if uh, our our sin makes us an evildoer. These are these are categories of people, especially in the Psalms, the wicked versus the righteous, the evil versus uh, the Lord's people, those who those who do good. It's it's a matter of faith. Luther talks about this when he comments on the Psalm, and he says the evildoer is the one who would be righteous apart from faith in Christ, the one who trusts in himself to present his own goodness before the Lord. And we see it there. Uh, they are the ones, how does it say it? Uh, the, uh, you destroy those who speak lies. The, uh, the, the boastful, there it is. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. The, 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 the essence of the evildoer is pride. To be able to stand on the judgment day with the resume of our own goodness, carefully crafted by our own efforts. There's not a chance. You can't do it. So back to your question, dear listener, your concern that you might be the object of God's wrath because of the evil that you've done indicates that you are not the evildoer that's discussed here in Psalm 5. Because that evildoer is not concerned with God's wrath at all. They're completely unrepentant. They're boastful and proud. But even though we know our sins, we know that Christ came for sinners. And he desires for us to have that confidence. Jesus does not want us to be worrying about our condition if we are the object of his love or the object of his wrath. This is why he died. This is why he preached the gospel. This is why he sent his apostles and established his church. So that we would know his love. We would delight in his love. Have 
confidence that his death is also for us. So I hope that's helpful for you. God be praised for the question. Hey, thanks for listening. Whatnot the podcast. Blessed Holy Wednesday. Uh, don't forget to sign up for the Wednesday Whatnot. That's where I'm about two months behind in book giveaways. So I'm going to go give away some books sometime. Probably do that today or tomorrow. That'll be cool. So if you want to if you want to be part of the fun at the Wednesday Whatnot, uh, wolfmuller.co slash Wednesday. You can sign up for that. Uh, it's free. Or you can, you can subscribe to that for five bucks and you don't get anything extra. Just a appreciate that i thank you uh that that extra five bucks is is really what's helping producer packer line up all these emails and it's so great so anyway if you want to support the cause that's a way to do it uh i hope that you have a beautiful holy week and that remember we, you know as we go through these things we're not pretending like we don't know jesus is raised from the dead so we're like really sad like the disciples on good friday no we know what's coming and that, that knowledge of what's coming highlights what's happening. All of this is our conquering king, conquering sin, death, and the devil, and, and enduring the wrath of God so that we might have his love. He, he says, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So praise Psalm 22. So we can pray Psalm 23, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, and he'll never leave us or forsake us. Oh, that's our great comfort. What a beautiful week. If you're listening and you're not a Lutheran, by the way, I said this last week, but this is a great time to go visit the Lutheran Church Thursday night, Friday night. Go see what's going on over there. Uh, you'll love it. Promise. All right. I don't know when. Hopefully soon we'll keep this uh, pattern going, but we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for, Thanks again for being here. God's peace be with you.